My name is Bonnie Landry. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast with my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, where we explore the questions about homeschooling and family life and how we can make joy normal. Hey, my dear listeners. I have a couple of things I'm going to say to you at this moment in time. One is that a very wonderful and talented dear listener is creating timestamps for all of my episodes. And she's done about half of them so far, which is remarkable. And I'm going to put those timestamps in every episode so that if you are trying to find your way around an episode, that it's easy for you to do. And I think I will create a blog post as well in uh, put it on my resource page that you can actually look up episodes and what we cover in, in any given episode. So I'll put sort of the list of timestamps. So thank you, dear listener, who's doing this for me. I'm so, so grateful. I'm actually going to read my little book, Chocolate Chip Math, to you. And as I'm reading, kind of explain along the way how this rolls out, I just thought I should do something different. So that's what I'm doing. So I'm going to get started. I'm going to actually just start with the prologue so you kind of understand where I'm coming from if you're a new listener, okay? My philosophy is focused on relationship. I have often been asked, after giving a workshop on dictation and other aspects of our simple homeschool life, if I could, quote, put that into a book, end quote. I'm going to try. But it is difficult to put onto paper an educational method or process that is not based on any program or workbook. This has been one of the difficulties I've found, really being careful not to curriculumize what I do, but to try and put the power into the hands of parents so that they can work both with curriculum better and also without curriculum if they choose and be confident doing that. But it's hard. People like a guideline. They like a curriculum. So um, I'm often vague in what I say, and I apologize for that, but I am vague intentionally so that you can grab the ideas rather than look at a curriculum, because I think curriculum has many times has downfalls for us. So I shall continue. Chocolate chip math is how we approach math in a simple way for our little ones. How this all began? I learned early to cut the fat in our homeschool journey. Why? My goal was to make more time for fun. Neatness, organization, picking up after myself, or even thinking in some cohesive way does not actually come naturally for me. Any area of my life that runs smoothly is the product of tenacity and grace. Dictation was the first area in which I found myself functioning successfully. I was heartened to see great results spring from such small effort. Homeschooling Simplified Dictation is the first booklet in this series. The epiphany of seeing progress happened from short daily practice. Change the way I think about stuff, all the stuff. The dictation method can be applied to almost every area of life, including math. Small steps are introduced, mastered and developed, one at a time without fluff. I need to provide a caveat here. I didn't know very much about teaching math to another human being. Math in school was by leaps and bounds my most difficult subject. I had a lot of help along the way. I used Ruth Beechick's books, The Three R's, and looking things up in the encyclopedia when I didn't know how to teach long division or long multiplication. I would just look it up in the encyclopedia and it would show me the steps. I used math workbooks and texts sometimes, not for my small children, but for myself. Occasionally, I needed to find out what I should do next or get new ideas for things to introduce. I used my research skills. Ignorance was not prohibitive to teaching my children, and the beauty is I learned so much along the way. Beyond high school graduate, I'm primarily self-educated. I set out to give my kids a solid foundation and filled in so many gaps in my own education. 
Don't let a lack of knowledge or self-confidence be an impediment to approaching your children's education in a simple way. Chapter one is called Homeschooling Simplified Chocolate Chip Math. I keep six honest serving men they taught me all I knew. Their names are what and where and when and why and how and who. This is a stanza from a poem by Richard Kipling and it is included here because children are so inclined to ask questions and sometimes sometimes that can be annoying but overall it's really a beautiful thing that our children are asking questions and that is how they learn things and we want to explore their curiosity with them and we want to encourage their curiosity children are filled with questions we can learn something from that we should never lose our astonishment at the world around us and never never forfeit the desire to learn by employing the questions provided by dear mr kipling we may explore a topic more thoroughly. For the purpose of this little booklet, I'll explore math for little people and how we might be able to approach it with joy. Early math should be filled with delight for children. The wonders of numbers should equal the wonder of everything else they experience. Like so many other aspects of education at home, math can be a simple, little, pleasant experience. Fancy curricula, expensive programs, and manipulatives are not necessary for a solid foundation in arithmetic. The most important ingredient is wonder. What is this book about? The most basic branch of math and the foundations on which mathematics rests is arithmetic. Arithmetic describes the basic math skills we do that all other math is based on. To be more precise, the method or process of computation with figures, the most elementary branch of mathematics. Arithmetic is learning to compute numbers. Arithmetic is learning to add, subtract, multiply, and divide with whole numbers. Children should be proficient at these things. Proficiency with more advanced mathematics would be impossible without basic arithmetic skills in place. This little booklet looks at simple ways to teach children these basic math skills. What do you need? A book titled Homeschooling Simplified Chocolate Chip Math should be simple. It should also include some commentary on chocolate chips. A simple approach to math for little people does not require much. It is safe to assume that you will require chocolate chips. An exercise book, a pencil, and some chocolate chips will suffice at least from kindergarten to grade three and even beyond. The exercise book and pencil are certainly even optional to start with. Naturally, there are other things that you probably have around the house that are useful for honing math skills, such as measurement and comparison, and we'll talk about that too. Chocolate chip math is ideal for teaching these basic computation skills of counting, adding, subtracting, multiplying, and dividing. This tactile, visual, discussion-oriented approach can be used for basic arithmetic skills, as well as teaching things such as fractions and patterns. Apart from chocolate chips, the exercise book and pencil, no other purchases are required. You not only save yourself time using chocolate chip math, but you will save yourself a lot of money especially in those first few years. And as our children are gaining skills, so are we in our ability to teach, but also also our ability to understand math and prepare ourselves for more difficult math later on. If your own skills in math are uh, compromised for whatever reason, if you were pushed along too quickly like I was, we gain so much from allowing ourselves to explore math with our children in this way. The most important items that you can bring to the table to teach your children math or any other subject for that matter is your love and focused attention. This is what you will need more than anything else. 
Learning happens most effectively in an environment of joy. Love is key. Math, like dictation, will be a successful venture if we ensure that the formation of the child is more important than the information that we give them. Information is important. We want our children to be functional members of society, but a learning environment rich in joy will promote success. Attitude is everything. You'll notice a common thread in all of my books uh, about attitude and about the way we approach our children and the way that we uh, impart knowledge to them and impart skills to them. And that will be this. It will all be relationship-oriented. And it will all be a guide, uh, uh, walking you through how you can handle different situations without getting wound up about it, or making sure that the relationship is what comes first and not the other way around, uh, to avoid things like just needing to tick the boxes. So uh, the next chapter is, what if the child complains? Seriously? Five minutes of a happy time with mom ending with chocolate chips? I don't think a lot of complaining will happen here. Just try it. The only complaint I've ever had was, Mom, could I have butterscotch chips instead? I conceded to this change of currency. Some kids are difficult all the time. All kids are difficult sometimes. Sometimes kids balk, though, even when math is this yummy. Difficult moments may be something going on with the child or something with their relationships. Developmental steps are sometimes steep and sometimes slippery. Emotional, physical, or intellectual development can be uncomfortable and cause mood swings at any age. The child on the brink of walking, riding a bike, puberty, or adulthood can court unexplained irritability. So can we. Always holding on to the relationship will benefit learning. It is okay to step back, just play cards or board games, loaded with math skills they will never even know. Having a few things on hand that are fun to do with a math slant is always helpful. Puzzles, tangrams, and geometric shapes to make pictures with are great. Even wooden blocks are excellent tools for exploring shapes, comparisons, spatial understanding, and classifying. We need to raise our own awareness of the math opportunities around us so that we can illuminate them for our children. If learning becomes loaded with emotion, remembering how education will be nurtured through joy is always our best recourse. So here's a big question. Why does simple matter? Simple matters for a few reasons. Simple means our life is more streamlined, which means we have more time. Simple means we take out the busy work and fluff. Simple means efficient. When learning is efficient, children don't get bored. Simple means less stuff. Less stuff means less expense. Ultimately, simple means that we have more time for joy. We take a lot of the clutter out of our brain when we simplify different areas of our life. Uh, teaching your children math just being one tiny area of all the many, many areas that are uh, in front of us that we have to be in charge of as the grown-ups in the house. And the more we can simplify the areas of our life, the more room we have in our brain for joy. And that's a really important point not to be missed when we're teaching our own children. Simplifying our life will make more time for joy. That really matters. When do we start? 
It is a certainty that you are already doing math with your children. Our first encounter with math doesn't happen in kindergarten when we sit down together. We count things out, read number rhymes, bake, play hide and seek, talk about when things happen, share and add things together, long before any more formal math takes place. Any decent nursery rhyme book will have you counting, will have counting rhymes. If you are looking for a nursery rhyme book, look for rhymes like five little monkeys, one, two, buckle my shoe, ten in the bed, once I caught a fish alive, one, two, three, four, five, and so many more. As babies, we count the fingers and toes in play. Simple concepts like fractions, groups, time, and sorting are just daily parts of our life. The best place that I found to learn this was reading Ruth Beechick's books, The Three R's, which at that time were separated into three separate little booklets, similar to my own little booklets. She uh, now has combined them into one book that's just called The Three R's. One's on reading, one's on language, one's on math. And her ability to point out to me where to find math in our day uh, and how to be aware of, of what math is was profound for me. It just made me realize that I can just walk through my day with my children and there's just so much math to be explored and discussed and wondered about uh, in our day-to-day life. We introduce fractions when we cut their sandwiches into four pieces. Just watch how perfectly a three-year-old can have the gummy bears when their brother gets to choose first. They learn to classify when they sort shells brought home from the beach into like groups. They learn to measure when we check their height, their weight, when we bake or make lemonade. Calendars and clocks are all around us. Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly events create opportunities for learning sequence and time without ever thinking about it and just responding to their natural curiosity about the world around them. So when do we start math as a subject? That can all happen in a really natural progression. The little lessons inherent in this book can be used with any objects or situations before sit-down work begins. I've always started chocolate chip math along with dictation as the first step in developing a habit of sitting together to explore the world of language and math. Although I don't usually start math with pencil and paper, the rule of thumb for dictation is to start when they can make a few letters without crying. The initiation of some sit-down time provides a platform to discuss and examine the subject at hand, in this case, language and math. Chocolate chip math becomes that platform for casual math chatter, introducing math concepts in an easy and natural way. When should we do sit-down work? If you are homeschooling, you can do school whenever you want, even after supper. Yes, you can. Kids like predictability in general, though, a particular time of day that suits your family best, or sit-down work attached to regular activity like a meal establishes a routine. Cultivating good habits becomes important to the success of simple homeschooling. Developing habits for ourselves as the parent is as important as, as it is for our children. Our example of good habit is valuable beyond compare. For our family, we always did our sit-down work in the morning. Uh, I wanted to leave my afternoons free to do my housework, to visit friends, to do the things necessary for the running of a household. So it was appealing to me to be done by noon. And so I usually started from the youngest to the oldest, and I would sit and do dictation and math with one, and then the next one would, it would be their turn, would do dictation and math with them, and then I would move up the line from there. Everyone knew what to expect 
it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning. If you don't operate very well in the morning or you find your patience is better later in the day uh, or your family structure is such that husband is home at unusual times of day, not a regular nine to five type job, you know, we can adapt to that. And don't be afraid to adapt to it. Even if you split up your kids, like I'm going to work with this one in the morning for 20 minutes and I'm going to work with this one in the afternoon for 20 minutes or do one child every two hours if you've got a bunch of them. You know, you can do anything you like. Uh, but plot out your day a little bit because we just gain so much more from sort of predictability and stability. And it allows us the opportunity to be more spontaneous at, at different points in our life or to get the housework done in between. If we do, you know, two children in the morning, two in the afternoon, we have a block of time when we can do other things. So you need to kind of look at your own life and assess your own life and decide what works for you. That's really important. How do you do it? It is so easy. I just pour a few chocolate chips into a little dish, maybe 10 or 20. And we use them to practice the various aspects of arithmetic and build on this idea one day at a time. Usually about a five minute lesson. Then we eat them up. We are talking about numbers, manipulating numbers, and hearing about numbers in a natural and nurturing environment. I'll talk about how we start and progress in this way in the next section. I've raised quite a few different temperaments and mathematical aptitudes in my household, and I found approaching math in this simple way is effective for all manner of children. They like the manipulative aspect of chocolate chips. They can be moved around to see and handle a math problem. It is fun and simple and yummy. We sit side by side. I always work one-on-one. -on -one. Our heads together over our little pile of chocolate chips. Here is where we share a little intimate moment that is light and joyful. The computer is off. The devices are away. Take the phone off the hook if you have to and devote time to this child for these few minutes. Naturally, there will be distractions if you have other children, but here is a really good place to model to your child what an important distraction is. Toddler needs to use the bathroom, jug of juice on the kitchen floor from a non-urgent one, must check email, must throw a load of laundry on. Working efficiently means that time can be established for those things too. But the example of fo focusing on the child and what you are doing together for even five minutes will reap huge rewards for both of you. I had no idea how to teach math, but because of the dictation method and its success for literacy and language, I thought that approaching math skills in the same way would produce the same results. I just start off with chocolate chips by counting. We count together first, and when that seems pretty smooth, I count every other number, and the child counts the ones in between. I always switch who starts so I know they learn both the odd and the even numbers. You will learn right along with your child, probably some math, but you'll also learn how to learn and how to teach. And you will also learn how to be patient. <laughs> Bear in mind that a lot of math is learned by hearing it around you. Younger children learn from older ones. By the time your third child comes along, they have usually learned not only to count from their older sibling, but learned all their letters, shapes, a few third declension Latin nouns, some snippets of the road goes ever on and on, and how to operate the camera on your iPhone by the age of four. Other aspects of math such as shapes, fractions, measuring, and calendars or clocks are usually done in the context of the day, not in this sit-down lesson. Introduce plus ones when counting is moving along nicely. I start with a number and ask how many I would have if I had just one more. We work up to larger numbers once three and one more and the single digit numbers are established. We can start asking how much one more than is in the team numbers. 
then we can work our way into the 20s, 30s, and beyond. Pretty soon you'll be able to ask, if I had 154 noodles on my plate and you gave me just one more, how many will I have? Chocolate chips, or a reasonable facsimile, can be used to introduce these concepts. Counting, plus ones, then plus twos. Counting by twos, odd and even numbers. Adding together up to twos and threes, totaling to five. Subtraction up to twos and threes. Addition and subtraction families. Skip counting, like counting by twos, threes, fours, and fives. A good foundation for times tables later. Multiplying, show me two groups of three. Dividing, can you divide six into three equal groups? Multiplication and division fact families, two times three is six, three times two is six, six divided by three is two, six divided by two is three. Cardinal numbers, counting, one, two, three, four. Ordinal numbers, ordering, first, second, third. Comparison, which pile looks bigger? Which line looks longer? Quantity, fractions, if we have eight chocolate chips and you eat four of them, you ate half of the chocolate chips. Shapes. Place value. 21 means there are two groups of 10 chocolate chips in this pile and one more. Greater than and less than. Sequencing and patterning. Kids love to order, pattern, and sequence all kinds of things. This can be practiced simply with chocolate chips by creating simple patterns like a group of one and a group of two, a group of three, then ask a group of one, what comes next? Many of these ideas listed can and should be addressed in other ways during the course of our day with little people. Ideas for discovering math around the house will be addressed in the following section. How can five minutes be enough? If you aren't certain what to do next, but you like the simple method of mom, child, and chocolate chips, you can always use any of the standard workbooks or math programs designed for younger children as a reference or guide on what to do next. The Three R's by Ruth Beechick is an excellent resource for what comes next in arithmetic. With our little pile of chocolate chips on the table in front of us, we practice the different skills I have referred to. I usually stick with one or two of these ideas until they have mastered the concept. We usually spend about five minutes using the chocolate chips as manipulative. Then we eat them. Sometimes they even share with me. What's really important to note is that the chocolate chips are not meant to be a carrot of any kind, a reward of any kind. It doesn't matter how they perform. The chocolate chips are a fun, friendly manipulative that they can eat at the end of the lesson. So I never use the chocolate chips to dangle in front of them. You know, if you don't sit and listen now, you're not going to get the chocolate chips. Um, I think that that would take all the pleasure and loveliness of working towards relationship in this particular context out of the con out of the equation so it's very important to to not use that as a reward and consequence uh, system so the the chocolate chips are this there we do our little lesson with them regardless of how well they do that's not the point uh, that they just eat the chocolate chips at the end of the lesson so just to make that qualification. So I hope this was helpful to have sort of a little audiobook version of uh, Chocolate Chip Math. It's it's a tiny, tiny little booklet. Um, you know, you can read it in an hour. And, uh, but I just thought it might be really helpful to walk through it with you and read it out loud for someone who doesn't have the time to sit and read right now in their life or prefers an audiobook version of things so they can listen to it in the car. 
So the next chapter is called, How Can Five Minutes Be Enough? Five minutes is not actually five minutes. Five minutes of chocolate chip math lays the foundation for math chat. It brings attention to the fact that there is math in life. This is true for both the child and the adult. We benefit from the intimate discussion and interaction with our child, and we become aware of the math around us in one short lesson. It is important to be aware of math everywhere. We can take something we've learned in chocolate chip math, like counting by twos, and show how we're using the same skill when we fix a snack. Look, two rice cakes. Look, two rice cakes each for four people. Two, four, six, eight. We can also draw the real world into the math lessons. For example, look how we used math to divide all the dolly clothes up into equal groups so three girls could share. We can use the chocolate chips to show the division question. Twelve dolly outfits, three girls. Groups, look at each girl. Look, each girl gets four outfits. This growing awareness for all of us becomes more advanced as they get older and gain more math skills. Talking about measurement and fractions while we're baking or cooking teaches math. Shapes are everywhere, as are patterns, symbols, and sequence. Car games like spotting the shape or focusing on a particular shape for a few minutes are a fun forum to talk about shapes. How many triangles can you spot in this room? What is the difference between a square and a rectangle? Of course, kids usually have this mastered at a very young age if we just talk about it. As they get older, we can add less common shapes and dimensional shapes such as cubes, cones, and cylinders. Where do I teach math? If you are a homeschooler, in your home, and your yard, and your neighborhood, and at the grocery store, and almost every other place you go. Who are we teaching here? Teach the child, not the program. Like all home education programs or workbooks, some sections, some questions, some chapters just don't fit the needs of the child. Some parts are too difficult and therefore frustrating. Some parts are too easy, therefore needless. It isn't possible to make the child fit the program. The program must be tailored to the child. Because home education is parent to child, the intimate relationship reveals exactly where the child needs to be challenged. It is unlikely that any program is ever suited precisely to the child's proficiency level. If you are using a program, be aware of this inclination to squeeze the child into it, instead of using what you can out of the program. We end up spending money on a program that we only can use a portion of. Money has been sent and often wasted. With math simplified, we need only an exercise book, pencil, and perhaps a few chocolate chips for the first few years of teaching math. Manipulatives is a fancy word for tactile tools for helping children learn math. Naturally, your manipulatives, chocolate chips, can be tailored to your dietary preferences. M&Ms, mini marshmallows, carob chips, raisins, Cheerios. Expense is significantly reduced. Waste is eliminated. There are no leftover chocolate chips. The most frustrating part of a workbook or a program not fitting is our inability to adapt as parents. We waste time trying to make it work, leaving a bad taste in the child's mouth. It is not so easy to get caught up in thinking the child should know something at any given time inherent in a workbook model rather than when they're ready. 
My first encounter with this was teaching my eldest daughter to tell time. I was so excited. I, I bought a little How to Tell Time workbook. We did the first introductory pages together, then the tears started. I was sure she must be able to understand this. It was recommended for her grade level. She was bright and understood some time concepts. She could count by fives. What could be wrong here? After a few days of tears and I don't understand this, I put the book away. It seemed counterintuitive to try to force her to learn something she clearly couldn't grasp. The following school year, I brought the same book out again. She completed it in two afternoons. I learned a valuable lesson and she learned how to tell time without the angst. There is nothing inherently evil about workbooks or programs. They are not necessary though, especially for young kids, and can make education more difficult instead of simpler. They can be used as a supplement or just left lying around so that children can use them when they want to. The basics can be easily taught without a program. If you don't know what to do next, but you like the idea of Math Simplified, a program or workbook can be just used for the adult as a reference and taught in the simple approach addressed in this booklet. Lessons are both passive and active, just like in dictation. An idea is shown, look, if I have six chocolate chips and there are three boys, how many would each one get? I'm moving the chocolate chips into three groups while I say this. They can draw silly post-it notes of their brothers if they want to. What if there are only two boys? I move them into two groups. What if there were six chocolate chips and four kids? Oops, I get two. Then they get the idea that things don't always divide in evenly and that life isn't always fair. Introducing ideas passively. I just talk about it, move the chocolate chips around and show them. Then I get them to guess or actively teach them. The big difference between teaching passively and actively is engaging the child more in the process, letting them touch the chocolate chips. See, six chocolate chips here. I watch for a nod. Okay, if I put them into three groups, you can do it for them. Then there are two in each group, see? Can you put nine chocolate chips into three equal groups? Wow, look at that, you can do it too. I introduce an idea passively, usually several times. Then I teach it actively a few times. Then I cue the child to see if they remember the concept. What would I do if I had 12 chocolate chips and three kids to give them to? If they don't get it, it gets taught passively and actively again until I think it's time to try cueing them again. So just by way of example, uh, to use probably the, one of the most simplest um, ways this could play out is that if I had four chocolate chips, I would say, look at this, I can put half of the chocolate chips here and half of the chocolate chips here. There's two in this pile and two in this pile. Look at that. And I might do that three or four times with a small child. Look at that. Four chocolate chips, two go in this pile, two go in this pile. The same size. So four chocolate chips divides into two piles. So we'd just be doing it and, and monologuing it in a sense. And then at some point I would say, can you divide those four chocolate chips into two equal groups? Right? If you had to divide these between you and your brother, how many would be in each group? And, and bring them into it. And that just goes up the scale of, of difficulty, even for uh, long division. You know, I would, first of all, show my kids several times how to do long division by just talking through it. I would actually be doing the questionnaires and just saying, I'm going to take this large number and I'm going to divide it by this number. I'm going to put the large number here. I'm going to make this line. I'm going to put the small number here. So this number goes into these two digits. 
this many times and I would just talk through it, right? And now I subtract and now I put this number up here and oh, look, there's a few left over. So I have to put an R here saying this is the remainder of, of what was left over. So obviously that's a much more advanced skill, but I just approach it the exact same way because it's so effective. Some kids after one or two times of you doing it with them are going to grab that. A more tentative child might watch you half a dozen times before they you can bring them into the conversation. It's like, oh, okay, I put this number under this number. Now what do you think I do? Do you remember? And if they say no, then you say, I just subtract. That's what I do. And, you know, eventually they just catch it. And, it, you know, for some of my kids, that process was long. For some, it was short. But they all get it eventually. And it's, you know, completely without angst. So we learn how to do that skill when our children are very young, right, with those very, very simple concepts. And then they just, you know, grow up sort of understanding how how it is they learn something, right? And it's not difficult or stressful. Beyond chocolate chips. Well, so far I've only discussed the possibilities for working with chocolate chips. At some, chocolate chip math is supported by paperwork. We just have an exercise book nearby to start showing them how we write out math problems. Symbols can be introduced one at a time. For example, when a child is learning how to add up to eight or ten with chocolate chips, we usually use the word and. One day, we can let them know there's a special math word for and, and it's plus. After we've used the term plus for a little while, and we're pretty sure they know what it means, we can draw it out on the page. I usually draw a plus sign and print the words plus beneath it, providing an example question like, Three plus four equals seven is helpful. And then asking them or helping them to show it with chocolate chips. I overlap the exercise book with chocolate chip math for quite a while, depending on the child. And eventually we're just doing math in an exercise book, which will be the topic of another booklet. Math for little people should be joyful. Allow the wonder of numbers to unfold. It is simple. It is my sincere hope that this little booklet will help homeschooling parents find more peace and joy in their day with their children. Be encouraged. Nobody loves your kids like you do. And mamas, you can do this. Take care. Have a great day.